Father, we worship you this morning. We thank you for your word today. We thank you, Father God, that Jesus, the Son you sent, is our only hope. And you said if we would draw nigh unto you, you would draw nigh unto us. I pray, Father God, in 2024, Lord God, that we have a greater hunger for you and your word than we've ever had before. You are the only answer. God, we might be facing impossible situations, but with you, all things are possible. Your word declares we can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens us. And so, Father God, I just thank you today that every person under the sound of my voice, those in here, those watching online, Father God, that they would leave with a greater faith this morning. Lord God, a greater purpose, a greater hope today that no matter what they have to face, when they walk out those doors, when this service ends, when tomorrow comes, Father God, they have embedded inside of them that Jesus, you got this, that you're walking with them, and Lord God, you are going before them. You're making a way for each and every one of us. So Father God, become more real than you've ever been in our lives in 2024 in the mighty name of Jesus. Today we give you all the praise. Now Father, we just pray in this moment for all those that are out and sick today, those loved ones, those family members, those that are facing sick, uh, sickness in their body. Lord God, we just send a word of hope and healing to them. Lord God, we just pray and intercede on their behalf that you would minister life to their bodies. Lord God, we just thank you for that hedge of protection. We pray for those unsaved loved family members, those unsaved loved ones, Lord God. We pray that this is the year that, Father God, they come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They turn their heart to you and they become one with you in the Spirit, Lord God relying on you as their eternal hope and savior father we just thank you for it we praise you for it we know you're going to do it we trust you in it in the mighty name of jesus we pray this morning hallelujah amen and amen well if you believe it this morning put your hands together one more time in celebration of the lord and savior amen you may be seated this morning glad you're here glad you're here well it's a brand new year yeah, 2024. I remember when I got saved in 1985. Uh, <clears throat> you know, you always talk about things in the Bible and prophecy and end times. And in 1985, you know, they thought, well, Jesus would be back year 2000's it. Just count it up. We can calculate it. Well, here we are 24 years later, still working on the behalf of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that's not to say he ain't coming. He is coming. But until he comes, we have a job to do. We have a calling, a purpose. You're not here by accident. This is not, you're just not random here sitting on this planet. God knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. He's got a plan for you. And so I want you to know that if you're looking for a purpose, you're only going to find it in him, especially in this hour that we're living in right now. Jesus and his plan is the only plan. Last week, we talked just a little bit about uh, ending the year, forgetting those things which are behind us and pressing towards the mark of the high calling. The Apostle Paul says, I don't know what you've apprehended me for yet, but I'm going after that for which you have apprehended me. I don't want the, 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 the good will, the acceptable will. Lord, I want the perfect will of God for my life because in that place is there only contentment, satisfaction, and purpose and understanding. Amen? Amen. Well, I want to welcome all you here today. Well, Welcome all our first-time attenders. I'm glad you're here this morning. Those that are watching online for the first time, go ahead and like and share, and it'll get out to more people. I know we have people from uh, from many, many states that tune in and watch, and we're just glad to have you. But uh, it's not about a church service. It's about the Word of God, right? So we're going to open it up together this morning. You know, I thought after last week, I mean, man, what a, what a service we had. Just, just the word that, uh, that uh, the Lord shared with us talking about Christ and, and our pursuit of him. We talked about he is the bread of life. He's the light of the world. He is uh, the door. He's the good shepherd. He is the resurrection. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He is the true vine. Jesus is the only answer. <clears throat> you know, there's something, though that we must realize as we enter in 2024 and uh 
it, yes, Jesus lives on the inside of us. Yes, greater is he that's, on, that's in us than he that's in the world. But I want us to know as we move forward at the beginning of this year that you might come up against some opposition. And it's very important to us that we recognize where the opposition comes from. Because I think when trouble comes into a person's life, a family life, when tragedy strikes, you get the bad report. A lot of times we always look and, you know, it, most of the time it'll either draw you closer to God or push you away from God because you want to blame God for your problem or for the situation that, that's going on in your life and why God would you allow this to happen. First thing I want to say is that God as we serve him, it's an eternal plan. This isn't just for this span of time. When I gave my heart to God, when I gave my life to Christ, I gave my life to Christ for his eternal hope. This life, things are going to happen. We know that this is a fallen world. Entropy is set in. Everything is on the decline. Since Adam and Eve, this planet is under a curse. Jesus will return and restore and set everything right. But until then, we're here and under God's plan and his purpose and his will. And there will be problems. There will be trials. There'll be tears that you'll cry. There'll be pain that will be felt. There'll be rejection. There'll be addictions that you have to face, bad habits that you just can't get control of. There'll be things in your life. You'll have disappointment. Your spouse may disappoint you. Your child may disappoint you. The Cincinnati Bengals may disappoint you. I mean, you're going to have some disappointments in life, right? <clears throat> So uh, it, it is what it is. Uh, but I want us to understand today that um, uh, it's important for us to recognize where the opposition comes from so that we're fighting on the right side and that we're not fighting against ourselves and we're not fighting against God and his plan for our lives. So first things first, you got to make sure that you've opened up your heart, repented of your sin, and invited the Holy Spirit to come on the inside of you to become one with the Father. It's called being born again. You must be born again. That's what the scriptures say, born again of the Spirit. So, and the Bible says in Peter, it says being born again of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. This just this is not just a mental ascension to the religion of Christianity. This is, an, this is an actual spiritual experience and understanding that comes when you recognize that you're a sinner separated from God, alienated from him, in need of a Savior, that he is holy, you are not, and there's a problem, there's a gap between you and him because of his holiness and because of our uncleanness, because of his celestial and because of our terrestrial. How do we feel? Fix that gap. We must be born again. Jesus came to bridge the gap between us and God the Father. And when we accept that and we repent of our sins and we ask the Holy Spirit inside of us, we actually become one with the Lord in the Spirit through the power of the Holy Ghost. This is the washing, the regeneration of the Word of God. It's more than just being dunked in water, although baptism is very, very important. We follow the little Lord in water baptism. But being born again and and being one with the Lord is something totally different than a mental ascension to, be, to claim that I am a Christian. Amen? It's a power. It's a spiritual experience. In other words, God didn't tell us to follow him and not give us the power to do so. He didn't tell us to behave certain ways or put that away. We sang about it all through our worship service today, about the struggles of life and, and addictions and things that you'll face and, and, and family issues. It was in the song, but Jesus is the answer. Now, he didn't put that carrot out in front of us and dangle it and say, there it is, go get it, and not give us help to do so. That's where the power of the Holy Spirit comes in. That's where the uh, regeneration of the Spirit in your life. The Bible declares it this way. He that is in Jesus Christ is a new creature, a brand new creature in Christ. Old things pass away and all things become new unto him. So it's a becoming process. What does that mean? You become a new creature in Christ. That literally means you're a species of being that's never existed before. Hallelujah. You were once fallen, living in darkness, alienated, and God, through his spirit and the love of Christ and the blood of Christ, translates you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light and his dear son. Everything looks brighter. You have an eternal hope. You know that no matter what takes place or what happens, everything's going to be all right because you're on the Lord's side, you're on the right side. But saying all that, amen, give the Lord a hand clap if you're on his side this morning. Yes. We are on the Lord's side. So when you, when you establish that, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, it says that 
all things do work together for good to them that love the Lord, those who are called according to his purpose. He didn't say some things. He says all things work together for good. So in order to be able to walk that scripture out in our life, we got to know that God sees things that we cannot see. God knows things that we do not know. That's why he says don't lean on your own understanding, but trust in the Lord and acknowledge him. And in all thy ways, he will what? Direct your path. So let's get on the right side. We're on the Lord. We are on the winning side. How do we know that? Jesus raised from the dead. He defeated our greatest enemy. It was death itself. When they crucified him, the grave couldn't hold him because it had no right to him. His blood was sinless. He was conceived of the virgin womb. And by the power of the Holy Ghost, death didn't have a right to him because there was no sin in his blood. He proved it three days later and defeating your greatest enemy. That's why I serve Jesus. That's why I don't serve these other false gods, these other false religions. None of them raised from the dead. None of them showed us their love, their love for us by becoming the ultimate sacrifice. Amen. We don't have to work for it. Uh, he paid a debt that he did not owe because we owed a debt that we could not pay, right? He commanded his love towards us. He did it from the foundation of the world because God is he is love. But in saying all that, a lot of times in, in church, um, we don't learn that in this life, we also have another uh, opposing force that will try to oppose us and try to shipwreck our faith. The Bible says we must contend for the faith. Fight the good fight, the fight of faith. So we know it is a fight. The Bible says that we don't wrestle, not, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So we know that there is a wrestling. There is a battle going on, and the ultimate prize is your eternal soul. Uh, you know, you may have loved ones that don't know Jesus and that have not given their life to Christ or don't want anything to do with God or rejecting God. We're living in a culture today here in America that used to affirm our faith in Christianity and Jesus Christ. Now the counterculture has now become the culture that really is resisting and rejecting God at every, every measure. It was a whole lot easier to stand up and go to church 30 years ago when uh, a nation as a whole uh, was, would affirm our faith, affirm the values that are in the scripture. But now that which was counterculture has become the culture. That which was once black has become white. That which was white now has become black. That which was once evil has become good, and that which is good has now become evil. It's a harder time in the West, in America, and I would just say really all around the world, to fight for your faith, to hold on to what you believe in, because you have an adversary, you have an enemy, and he's coming for your faith. He wants to shipwreck what you believe. He's very intentional. He's very strategic. He will lay traps and snares and offenses everywhere in your life. He'll just, he'll do it. Why? Because the ultimate prize is your eternal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the price of your souls. And your soul is so valuable that the Bible says that you were not redeemed with gold or silver or the blood of bulls and goats, but your redemption came at the price of the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's very important that you understand how valuable you are, how much God loves you, what the lengths that he went through to, be, to reunite with you and to prove his love towards you. You have an adversary that absolutely hates that. He hates the, the, even the thought of it. He hates anybody that, uh, especially those that put their hope and trust in Jesus, but humanity at large. He loves wars. He loves, he loves murder. He loves, all, he loves pain. He loves dysfunction. He loves uncleanness, unholiness. That's his job. The Bible says it this way in John 10, 10, that the thief came not but to kill, steal, and destroy. He is, and, and he's not gone anywhere. He's very alive and well today. So I'm going to talk about this just for a moment. Show us a few scriptures and put us on a, a positive note, put us on an offensive posture as we head into 2024. Amen? So let's let the scripture speak for us this morning. Go in your Bible. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Hallelujah. We have the victory. You know, you're looking at someone that this this isn't uh, this isn't somebody that uh, 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 just uh, uh, 
walk through a thing six months ago. I've been, I've been serving the Lord since 1985. I could tell you stories about a dog that'll make a cat cry. I can tell you about great victories in my life and very sorrowful, humiliating defeats. It is, a, but it's a walk, but I'm, st- I'm, I'm, still, <laughs> I'm still standing. You know, if the enemy had his way, uh, I'd left a long time ago. I tried all that, did all that to, up to the age of 22. And I'm telling you, if there was anything in the area where I was living, the kingdom of darkness, that had anything better to offer and better hope or potential than what I have walked in and what Jesus showed me in his word, I'd still be there. That's why I don't go back. Always remember this, the enemy will take you back anytime you want to go. He absolutely will. So First Peter chapter, let's go to chapter five. Let's look what... Uh, Let's look what the apostle has to say about it as he's writing in scripture. And look at verse 8, 5 and verse 8. Well, let's go. Let's start at verse 7. Love that. He says, casting all your cares upon him, upon Christ. Why? Because he cares for you. Verse 8, be sober. What does that mean? Don't be drunk. Don't sit and, and, and waste your life on a fifth of vodka every day. It, it, it obviously would mean that, but it also means... Um, have an awareness and alertness. You know, when someone is uh, impaired uh, through alcohol or dope or whatever you want to say, that when they're impaired, uh, they don't think clearly. You're not thinking clearly. You're not as alert uh, uh, enough. In other words, you're not as discerning. You let your inhibitions down. Most people fall into the most treacherous sin uh, when, they're, when they are impaired from an outside source that they've ingested in their body. So you're not aware, you're not alert. He says you, it's time to be alert, it's time to be aware. It's time to be sober. It's time to be vigilant. Be on the guard. It, because why? Your adversary. So here we see that Peter is saying to the church, you have an adversary. It's not your spouse, it's not your kids, it's not your boss. <laughs> I know sometimes it may feel that way. Uh, It's not your mother-in-law. It's not your father-in-law. It's not your teacher at school. It's not the principal. (laughs) Comes from the teacher at school. It is, the Bible says, your adversary, the devil. So the devil? You mean there's a devil? Yeah, I, I understand most churches won't talk about this, and they won't teach on this kind of thing. But yes, there is an adversary. It is the devil. We know him from Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, as the fallen one, Lucifer. I don't have time to get into all that today. Um, but uh, it's, it's a thing. It's real. The enemy, the devil, he, what's he do? Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, not a roaring lion, but as a roaring lion, what's he do? He walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So he's got a, a, an agenda. He's got a plan. He wants to devour people. It didn't say he was a roaring lion. It's as a roaring lion. What does that mean? That he is limited. Yeah. Uh, you know, a true roaring lion, you're done, unless, unless you're Samson. Uh, uh, or, or Daniel in the, in the lion's den. But a, a true roaring lion, you're not going to defeat it. It's as a roaring lion. So as a roaring lion, what's he want to do? He wants to instill fear in you. He wants to cause you to become paralyzed, not moving forward in your life with God's plan for your life. Fear brings paralysis. The Bible declares it this way. God has not given you and me a spirit of fear, but of love and a power and of a sound mind. But the enemy here, as a roaring lion, he wants seeking to see whom he may devour. His desire is to instill fear in you because he knows if he can get you to fear about anything, he can paralyze you from moving forward. And any, anyone ever been fearful, woken up in a, in a nightmare or, or just a, a, an, an evil presence just kind of filled the atmosphere where you were, yet you, you ever got into that, that paranoia, that, that panic, anxiety, all these things that try to, try to grab your heart, what does it do? It paralyzes you. You, you. you don't know what to do. You can't move. That's the plan of the adversary. He wants to paralyze you. He doesn't want you to move forward. He doesn't want you seeking God. He doesn't want you going to church. He doesn't want you becoming successful at school. He doesn't want you to become successful in your business. He doesn't want you to proclaim the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He wants, you, he wants to keep you off of every platform that you can stand on and say, Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and Savior. That might be a small platform like this one. It might be a small platform just, just in your home, your school, your community. <clears throat> we say it's small. But how far would God take you out of your way to get his message to one soul? How much would God disrupt your life for a moment to get a message to one person? How far out of the way will God take you to get a message to one person? He'll take you real far out of the way because one soul. He leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. So if you think your platform is small, if you think your platform is large, don't calculate it in terms of volume of numbers. Think about it in the terms of one soul and how one soul and how precious one soul means to the Lord. It's not about, it's not about volume. It's about obedience because God can get the job done if everyone will do their part, no matter how big or how small you think it is. You know, that's why, uh, this, um, this young quarterback from, from Houston, CJ Stroud, uh, played for Ohio State. <laughs> Go Bucks. Uh, God, he was on a platform at Ohio State. Oh, you kind of heard that, that he was a, was a Christian. And now he's on the stage as the rookie of the year, great athlete. Every time they interview him, first of all, I want to take my platform and thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has made this all possible. Talk about bravery in the face of a media and the principality of the air that absolutely disdains anything or anybody talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. It, take, it takes guts. It takes bravery. It takes fortitude. It takes courage to be that one person that would talk about the Lord in the midst of a school that no one wants to follow him, in the, in the midst of a community that people don't want to hear about it anymore, online, your social media, the influences are not towards the light. Influences are towards the darkness. This is the adversary. I said it earlier, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but it goes on to say in Ephesians, but against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness, rulers of this, rulers of this age. Uh, so it's a spiritual battle. Here we see our adversary is the devil. He's seeking those whom he may devour. He wants to paralyze you. When we sing here, it's, it, you know, this is intentional. When we clap our hands, no, he gets going here. He, he, he says, clap your hands, use your hands as a weapon, uh, dance a little bit, move around a bit, loosen yourself up. Why? Because we, it, <clears throat> the enemy wants you to hold still. He wants, you to, he wants you to be, and I'm not just talking about in a worship service. I'm talking about in life. He wants to keep you in a box. But the more you open up the, your mouth, the more free you become. The more you clap, the more free you become. Just get out of the box. Do something that you've not done if you want something that you've never had. How free do you want to be? How successful do you want to be? How, how, do you, how, how bad do you want to walk as a man or a woman of God with courage, faith, hope, through the power of the Holy Spirit? Remember this, you cannot be defeated. You've already won. Those that have put their hope and trust in Christ, no matter what happens in this life, we have already won. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us and gave his life for us. We've already conquered. Not only have we conquered, we're more than conquerors. What does that mean? It extends far beyond your time on this planet. This is an eternal victory. Glory to God in the highest. And the older you get, the more valuable that becomes to you. I know young folks, we think we're going to live forever. You look at me with this gray beard, you probably think I'm old. When I was 15, 30 was old. Right? When I was 50, 30 was young. So it's all about perspective. Now I'm 60, and I'm right where I need to be. It's a beautiful age, right? Hallelujah. Oh, you're awful quiet out there. You're going to make me work for this. I'm going to shuck and buck just to get your attention. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he says, what does he say in verse 9? Whom resist steadfastly, how? In the faith. Resist him. Push back you got to actively push back. You cannot let someone put their lies upon you without pushing back unless you want to wear it. 
You know, I tell my, my sons, I tell my children, I tell my son, hey, wait, if someone's pushing a negative on you and they say you're less than or they're pushing a spirit of rejection on you, you got to push back or you're going to walk under the weight of that. Clap back, Clap back as they say. That's, we didn't, I don't even know what that is, but it's because I'm 60. Clap back, I guess. No, let them know. Don't you let someone else tell you who you are, what you're going to be, what you're going to become, what your potential is. Don't let them put that familiar spirit on you and then you walk around in a spirit of rejection and a spirit of oppression. And I guess that's who I am because so-and-so said so or so-and-so thinks so. No, we push back on that because we know the truth in who we are. We are children of God called by his name. Come to the kingdom for such a time as this and no weapons formed against me shall prosper. Push back on that. And understand this, you cannot win the battle against your adversary when you come down to his battlefield. You got to rise above his battlefield. What does that mean? That very simply means this. When someone wants to hurl verbal stones at you, you be, and it injures you. And your first reaction as a human being, bless God, you think you can hurl some stones. Wait till you hear me. You're going to give it to me. I'm going to give it back to you. If you come down to that level and give back to them the same thing they gave to you, then you're, you're living and walking in the battlefield of defeat. You can't win a battle that way. You got to rise above and know that the weapons of your warfare are not, your weapons aren't the weapons that they're using. You say, well, what is your weapon? Our weapons are weapons of the word, love. When they hit you with, with anger and disdain and rejection, you hit them with love and the truth that Jesus loves you, I love you, you must be hurting because obviously what you're saying about me isn't who I am. Is there something that I can pray for you about? I want you to know Jesus loves you. One of two things, they're going to submit to it or they're going to walk away from it and they're going to stay away from you. People that don't know Jesus that want to hurl stones at you because they want you to hurl back stones at them and bring you down to that level of playing field that has nothing but defeat waiting on you. Listen, high school students. If you'll rise above that and show love where there's hate and, and show forgiveness where there's offense, and I'm not talking about being paralyzed and quiet, because when people hurl stones at you, it, they want to paralyze you. They want to offend you. They're trying to put you down so they can rise up. Not knowing you can't put me down because I'm already up. I'm seated with Jesus Christ in heavenly places. I have the answer. I have the truth. You don't. My prayer is that you will receive what I have to say. But if you say nothing, sometimes you just got to say something. Sometimes you just say, I'll, I'll pray for you. Uh, you know, the, 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 the peer groups and, and the way they tried. I mean, school is tough today. But if you are a Christian and you want to be a leader in Christ and you want to walk in victory, there's no time like the present to learn it. When they want to bring you down, the only way you come down is if you hurl their level of stones back at them. Rise above that. Speak the word of God. I'll pray for you. You must be hurting. And walk away. Rise above. That's a victory. You can't be defeated in that. The word of God can never be defeated. It can be rejected, but it can't be defeated. The word that you speak over someone's life, the Bible says that that is the incorruptible seed of the word of God. Those words cannot be corrupted. They can be rejected, but they cannot be corrupted. They are eternal. They're eternal words. They'll be here long after we're gone. They, they are already in eternity. It's eternal truth. It will never not be what it is because it is eternal before time was ever here. It's the word of God. It's truth. 
That's why he says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So are we getting anywhere today? Amen. It's very important to rise above. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying that if you don't spend time in the word, you're going to have a very difficult time rising to the level of the word. Doesn't mean you're not saved. Doesn't mean you don't love Jesus. Doesn't mean you're not on your way to heaven. But if you don't spend time in the word, you're not going to rise to the level of the word when the level of the word is required. And listen to me, you're going to need it now in this time that we're living in greater probably than any other time in history, in my personal opinion, which is neither here nor there. But it is important that if you want to rise and you want to walk in victory, we talked 2024, it's not going to be like 2023. Uh, and we talked about coming in from 2022 to 2023 and all the things that were going to be different. And then here's 2023 going into 2024. And we find ourselves on the last day of 2023 dealing with the same issues that we were dealing with on the last day of 2022. We didn't rise above it. We didn't push it behind us. We got the same problems. We got the same fears, the same worries, the same addictions, the same issues, just going around the mountain over and over and over and over and over again. Doesn't mean you're not saved. Doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. But it does uh, require, it, it's made itself obvious. If you want something different, there's gonna, it's going to require change. Turn to your neighbor and say, change is good. <laughs> yeah, but change isn't change until you changed it. It's easier to talk about change than it is to actually change. Can I get a witness up in here? Yeah. So if you want to rise above, you want to rise to the level of the word and walk in the power of the truth and walk in a more steady life of victory and less volatile. And I've seen this over the years in Christians, non-Christians alike, it doesn't matter. Just volatility, up and down, up been down. I'm there. I'm not. I got the victory. I'm lost. I, I got victory over sin and I fell again. I got this and I got that. And I got this and I got my marriage is great. Now it's horrible. I got this. And my, my kids are on the end and then our kids are doing crazy. I, just that volatility. There's always going to be a measure of volatility in your life. It's, that's not the point. The point is how you respond to it. And are you risen above it? Keep the volatility below you. It doesn't mean it's not there. It's just below you. Because I'm walking in a victory above the volatility. I'm not going to live in chronic crisis. I don't get high off a of chronic crisis. I'm here to be a peacemaker. And to, and, and to stay the crisis. And if you want to live in chronic crisis, don't expect me to visit you very often. Because I'm not coming. My peace is very valuable to me. Especially at 60 years old. Which is a great age, by the way. If that's where you want to live, don't expect me to come hang out with you very often. It's like when I gave my life to Christ. Before Christ, I was hanging out with drug addicts and drug dealers. I mean, that was my life. That was my lifestyle. I gave my life to Christ. The only way I cannot be that is step away from that. And sometimes it hurts because some of the very things you have to step away from are things that are really valuable to you and relationships that are valuable to you. But you don't want to stay there. You want to bring them up here. But if you live there fighting on that battlefield, always throwing stones down here, flying with the chickens when God said, soar with the eagles, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to live in that, that volatility. You're going to keep going around that mountain. 2022 won't be different from 2023. 2024 going into 2025, Lord willing, won't be any different than, than today. We have to make the decision that one of our greatest God-given attributes is the power of choice, free will, the ability to choose. I can choose my friends based upon, right, the level of life that I want to live. So if I'm down here and I see someone up there, I want to make friends with them because that's where I want to be. But if I'm up here, but I'm solely and soul tied and emotionally tied to this down here, and they keep pulling you down, you got to make some decisions. You got to make some changes because nothing will change until you decide to make that change. 
and it's and it's and it's okay. But the the odds of you bringing somebody up here while you're playing with them down here is about slim to none. You got to step up. You got to be that leader. You got to be that one that's willing to take the pain of possibly losing a friendship, possibly losing a relationship, possibly losing a peer group. Because I've decided that it's not important enough to me to get your acceptance if I got to play down here. I'd rather be alone without your acceptance than play down here in your chronic crisis and your carnal manifestation of life. There's more for me. Jesus said in his word, there's more for me. I want to walk in his peace and rest. I want to be that leader that brings people up. Because this is the life. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. How many of you want the life? Everybody wants the life, the good life. I want the life, baby. I want the good life. Well, until you actually know what the life is, don't quickly make that decision because you might equivocate material wealth and gain as social media and the influencers and Hollywood and the music tell you. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added on to you. In other words, those material things, they follow you. They don't have you, you have them. You can't take anything out of my hand that I would not give away freely. I'm just a steward. I'm, I'm in a short position. I talked about this a few weeks ago. One of the wealthiest men in the world passed away, Charlie Munger, a few few weeks ago, a month ago, in his 90s, he was a multi-billionaire, not in the scale of like the Musk or any of these guys, but, but he died. And uh, how much did he leave? All of it. He left all of his billions here. Was his life a waste? I don't know. Did he spend his billions promoting the kingdom of God and preaching the gospel of Christ and bringing people from darkness to light? If he did that, those billions transferred to his treasury chest in heaven. Great reward. That's not me to judge, but I can't smell rotten fruit. Moving right along. Somebody say amen. All right. I got a little bit of time here. He says, uh, resist steadfast, knowing that the same afflictions accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So know this, that no matter what you're up against and no matter how you have to resist, it's not uncommon. You're not the only one. The enemy, one of the biggest tools of the enemy is this, you're the only one. Charlie Brown syndrome. Why is everybody picking on me? I can't never get a break. I can't get ahead. Born to lose. The afflictions and the temptations that you suffer are common throughout all your brethren all around the world, period. We all have the same fight. We all fighting the same enemy. We all come up against the same addictions. The Bible talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Those are common to all men and women around the world, period. So those, those afflictions, those temptations are common. He talks about there's no temptation uh, that, that you will go, come up against that I have not provided a way of escape. The problem with the way of escape is we normally don't look for it because the power of the temptation has already brought us underneath the power of the lust of the flesh or the lust of the eye. Come on, we got to rise up. We got to get ahead of that curve. Sung Tzu said, he was a great Chinese general, he said, he talked about knowing yourself and knowing your enemy. He said, if you don't know yourself and you don't know your enemy, you're going to lose every battle. He says, if you know your enemy and don't know yourself, you'll win about half of your battles. He said, but if you truly know yourself and you truly know your enemy, your rate of victory goes off the scale. You can win. Most Christians fall to temptation, not because they don't know the enemy, they don't know themselves. I know myself. I can, I can come in here and, you know, got a little jacket on, carry that little stupid little briefcase or whatever, and you might pro, it might project an image to you, but you don't know me. Only I know me. I know my weaknesses. I know my failures. I know my sins. I know, the, and not only do I, I know, the, I know the devil, I know myself. 
So because I know myself, that also helps me recognize when the devil, the enemy, the spirit of the air is laying a trap for me. What he, what's he putting out there for me? What's he flashing across social media? What's, 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 he, uh, what's he saying? What's he doing? What, where, where's he at? Who's offending me? Who, whatever. If you, if you know yourself, then you also recognize the traps that he lays. Whoa, what's that doing there? Well, the enemy knows if he keeps putting that in front of you, you're going to fall for it. You're going to step right into the doo-doo because he knows your weakness. He knows the depravity of the flesh. He knows lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Some people are strong in some areas and weak in others and weak in areas and stronger than in other areas. He knows. All right, I'm going to take you one, one quick scripture. All right, real quick. Let me get to it. Uh, turn to 2 Corinthians 2. Uh, it's, this is a good place to insert this. As you turn there, I'll finish reading this out. Uh, whom resist steadfastly in the faith, knowing that the same is come to you, brother. You're not in this thing alone. But the grace of God, whom hath called us uh, to eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you may suffer a while, uh, make you perfect, establish and strengthen, and settle you. Man, phew. to live a settled life, established life. In other words, I'm consistent. In what I believe. You can't shake me. I know what I know. All right. So where did I say Second Corinthians? That's good. Second, okay. Here. It's on the board here. Lest Satan should get an advantage over us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, that word devices uh, is also translated strategies. He has a specific strategy. He is intentional. He is strategic in your life. He knows what to put around you to keep you where he wants you to be and cause you to stumble and inhibit you from rising above so you can accomplish everything that God has caused you to accomplish in this life. Remember, God's will for your life, God's, God's plan for your life is also intentional. He said there's that good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I'll start at the top. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2. Therefore, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind, that you might be able to prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So there is an intentional behavior on your behalf that has to be processed and walked out in order for you to get into the good, the perfect, acceptable will of God. It is submitting your body a living sacrifice. What does that mean? I submit my, my behavior to the word of Almighty God and what he says for how he wants me to behave in his word. Not because he's trying to take fun away from me. Not because he's trying to make my friends make fun of me because you just, you're just holier than thou. You just think you're that. And no, I, it's intentional for me. I want to rise above the beggarly elements and the strongholds of the flesh because I truly want to get into the perfect will of God for my life. How bad do you want it? I mean, Jesus wanted it so bad before the foundation of the world was Christ was slain. What does that mean? God manifest his love for his children. So how bad do you want it? Are you willing to, what most Christians do, instead of going to the word of God and as a reflection in a mirror, as James says, and says, I'm looking at myself in the reflection of the word. And as I look at myself as a reflection of the word, I'm not reflecting what the word is reflecting here. But because I like my reflection a little better than I like the reflection of the word, because for whatever reason, I'm going to see if I can get the word to change for me so I can continue to project this image and behavior. Well, that's not a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice says, I'm projected in the word. My image is different than the word. So I'm submitting my body. I'm sacrificing my image for the image of God and the plan that he wants for my life. Are you getting anything out of this? So 
He says here in 2 Corinthians that Satan has a strategy. He is intent. He has a plan. God also has a strategy and has an intent and has a plan. Now, Jesus himself, we'll finish up here. Jesus himself, go to Matthew chapter 4. There's a few more scriptures. Matthew chapter 4. I will read this one as you're turning there, and you can look at it for reference later. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 and 14. He talks about false teachers and apostles of light. He says, do not be deceived, for Satan himself will even come and appear as an angel of light. So his deception and the strategy is very, 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 uh, uh, very deceptive. So he doesn't come with the horns and the pitchfork and the long tail, the red and the dark, all the movies that you see. The Bible says that he'll even come as an angel of light of something that's good. Everything that glitters is not gold, my friend. Satan puts his greatest deception in, in blinged out packages. Some of God's greatest gifts to your life will come in burlap sacks. So just because it's glitter and it's gold and it makes me feel good and this is a, doesn't mean that it's not a laden trap for you because he will come as an angel of light. You know, I always say it this way. In your life, from your relationships to your habits, your behaviors, your thoughts, the way you think, is what you think and is your relationships, is your behavior, is it taking you closer to God in his word or is it taking you further away? Anything in your life, I tell my kids this all the time, you know, teenagers, and, you know, they have relationships and they want, they want relationships. You want a relationship? Carson, I got to ask you this question. Is that girl taking you away from God? Or is she pushing you towards God? Or is she following you to God? It's pretty simple. If it's drawing you away from God, his word, his, his standard, then it's very possible it might look like an angel light. I'm in love. I never felt this way before. It's got to be love. The bro don't know God, don't love God, don't want to know God. Ain't been church a day in his life, but you feel like, no, that's just an angel of light <laughs> walking in deception, getting you to compromise your convictions and your values and how you understand and know the world through the word of God. Doesn't mean that God rejects you or God hates you or God's just waiting for you to fall for it so he can drop you in hell. Doesn't work that way. You're either on the Lord's side or you're not. God isn't, God isn't, you know, this ogre up there. You make one bad move. You make one bad step, and it's hell for you. Well, if that's the case, I'm on my way to hell. I'm just giving you a heads up this morning. Ain't none perfect. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But what have you learned from your mistakes? Number one, you'll learn that God loves you through your sin. He didn't say, I'm going to drop you in the pit because of it. He says, get up, dust yourself off, learn from it so you don't find yourself in that mess again. Or go around the mountain and I'll be here to pick you up the next time. If you're truly born again, if you're truly a child of God, it's very hard for you to walk away from him. But it's not as hard for you to fall into temptation and to walk into sin. And fall for the strategies of the enemy. That's not a denial of God's love for you. He loves you. He's like a father. I would never reject my children because they have uh, fallen. Or they, 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 they made a mess of their life. No, I'm here. How can I help? I want to help you. We, we can get through this together. Your heavenly father... My child, we can get through this together. Don't, just don't stop believing, as Journey said. Just get up. Let's push forward. 
Don't allow your <clears throat> mistakes of your past to determine your future. Just learn from it and know that God can wipe the slate clean. We talked about that last week. 2024, we got a brand new clean slate. We repented of our sins. We washed all that craziness away from last year. Father God, brand new day. His mercies are new every day. Don't lay in yesterday's sin if you're living in today's brand new mercy. Let it go. Don't walk in that condemnation. Let him wash you, let him cleanse you, and get up and let him restore you to everything that he's called you to be. Don't you love the Lord this morning? All right, so last one, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Yeah, okay, it's on the board. It says, then Jesus <clears throat> led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Look at that. Who led him up there? The Spirit. Spirit led him up there. Into the wilderness to be tempted. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterwards hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Stop. All right. So this is very interesting. And I'm not going to be able to get through all of it because I'm about out of time. This is very interesting. And I just kind of want to bring this little analogy uh, and, a, and a piece of the, the uh, Satan's strategy against your life, and then we're going to pray. But one thing I want you to know emphatically, Satan has already lost this battle. He's like a royal, he's a loser. You know, so anytime you, you, anytime you hang with him, <laughs> you're hanging with a loser. No one's been a loser longer than the devil. Nobody. He's a loser. He said, Jesus went up there, was led by the Spirit. He was fasting 40 days. And what the enemy do? He came right, and the first thing that he spoke to, and the first thing that he recognized, man, this, this dude ain't ate for 40 days. <laughs> what can I tempt him with? What would be my best shot at getting him to give up his perfection? He has to be hungry. So I'm going to tempt him Right where it hurts. Not only am I going to tempt him, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to turn the water on and make him thirstier. Turn these stones to bread. This is a this is a key strategy that you got to take from this place today. That the enemy knows when you're hungry. The enemy knows when you've not fed yourself. Jesus goes on to say, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. When they came back to Jesus and Jesus was ministering to the woman at the well. They brought him some food and Jesus said, I've already, I've, I'm not hungry. I've got food that you know not of. And they're like, well, where would he stop at McDonald's on his way over here or what? He's got food that you don't know, that you don't know. What is his food? His food is the word of God. So if you are starving yourself of the word of God, Satan knows it. If you are not taking time, and I'm not, I'm just talking about starting somewhere. I love this book. It feeds my soul. It's very difficult for me to put this word on the inside of me in the morning and take a moment and talk to God and thank him for saving me. And then 25 minutes later, walk into temptation and yield to it if you don't feed yourself the word of god there is a hunger on the inside of you everybody has an appetite everybody's hungry for something when i came back to africa the first time after ministering over there i saw a people and ministering to crowds in the thousands, and I was just absolutely astonished at their hunger and their passion 
for God. I came back to America three weeks later, and I was just, I had to debrief. Because when I came back to America, I just cried out to God. I said, God, why aren't Americans hungry for God like they are over here in Kenya? And I just felt the Holy Spirit impress on me. It's not that the people are not hungry. It has everything to do with what they're eating. Everybody's hungry. Over here we have this entitlement, ungodly affluence, where we sit in a seat of privilege and we say, we don't have a real need for God because we got the best doctors and we've got the best insurances and we got the best surgeons and we got the best lawyers, we got the best homes, we got the best cars. What do we really need God for? When I was ministering in Kenya, they drove on buses 24-hour road trips to get to one of our services to pray the night before, night watch, before the service, because they wanted to hear from God and his word that bad. So when you're hungry spiritually and you're filling it up with nothing but carnality, it will prove itself out in the fruit of your life. Did you get that? Because you are hungry. And if you're filling up a spiritual void with a carnal diet, the fruit of your life will be carnal. If you fill up a spiritual hunger with the word of God, Jesus said, my word, I say unto you, they are spirit and they are life. This is just not ink on page. This word is the word of God. It is spirit. It can transcend off of these pages and find a wrestling, resting place on the fleshly tablet of your heart and actually change your life. The Quran can't do that. The New York Times can't do that. Harry Potter series cannot do that. There's only one book on this planet, the all-time bestseller last year, next year, the years to come. It's the living word of God. Why is it so? It's alive. It'll be here after you're gone. It was here before you got here. Why? Because it's eternal. You can't change it. You can take it. You can beat it. You can put a crown of thorns on it. You can kick it through the cobblestone streets of Jerusalem. You can spit upon it. You can mock at it. You can laugh at it. And they're doing it day after day after day on a, uh, on a conspiratorial level and an effort from Satan himself to downplay this word, to reject Jesus Christ, to tell you God isn't alive and that Jesus is not the way and the word of God is not infallible. They're doing it. Then they did it then. They'll do it now. Jesus is not infallible. Jesus isn't God. Put a crown of thorns on him. Kick him through Jerusalem. Mock him and shame him. Drag him naked through the streets. Hang him on a cross. Nail his hands and feet. Stick a sword in his side. Killing him on the cross. Trying to kill the word. But one thing they didn't know, you can't kill the word of God. You can't stop the eternal plan of God. Jesus brought validity to every one of his claims as he's declared, I am before Abraham was, I am, I was, and I am, and I am to come. I am God eternal. Three days later, he raised from the dead, slain your greatest enemy, death itself. That's why he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth upon me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Listen, if your life is wrapped up in the truth. The truth of the word of God is in you and you are in Jesus. You're in resurrection power. Ain't no grave gonna hold your body down. There's a great getting up morning coming soon and very soon and a blinking and a twinkling of an eye. We shall be changed. This mortality will put on immortality. This corruption will put on incorruption. We shall be changed. Glory to God. Give God a hand clap of praise if you love him today. Let us pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word today. I pray each and every one of us in this place today 
has a greater hunger for your word. Lord God, I know we said a lot today, went over a lot of scripture, and I just pray, God, that the one you tailor make it for each of us as an individual. That one word, that one scripture, God, let us grab a hold of it. What spoke to us? Which one meant something to us? Which one met us at our point in need? I pray we hold on to that word. We contend for that word, and we stand on that word today. I pray for every person under the sound of my voice as we march into 2024. I pray, God, that they will walk in victory, walk above, Lord God, and that they will not be unwise to the strategies of the enemy, that they would feed themselves the eternal words of life, for in them they have eternal life, that they would rise above the carnal fight, the beggarly elements of this life. Be that leader. Be that man of God. Be that woman of God challenge yourself to rise above. I know it's hard, but the Holy Spirit's here to help you. I know it's difficult, but he's here to help you. I I know you've fallen, but he's here to pick you up. I, I know you don't even trust yourself anymore. That's all right. God still has confidence in you. He loves you. You can do it. You can, you can overcome. You can be everything he's called you to be. You can live in hope and victory in Jesus name. Father, we give you praise. I'm going to pray this. If you want to pray it in your heart or you want to pray it out loud, follow me in this prayer, if you will. Just say, dear Heavenly Father, yeah, just talk to him. I love you this morning. I got a ways to go, but I'm willing to learn because I wanted to do it your way. I want to live in victory. I don't want to hang out with the chickens. I want to soar to everything you call me to do. And today is the first day of the rest of my life. Help me discipline myself. Put my heart in the word and change my destiny. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. One more time, put your hands together if you love him this morning. Give him praise for his word today.